Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life. All either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. To the people, I mean, that's the thing that gets left out is that it's almost kind of funny. We use the coral as the the sort of like, sorry, the coral's getting damaged, but guess what? Coral or animals and they have processes in their body. The reason why there's toxicity is the same reasons why there's toxicity in the human body. So the human body is hugely affected by these chemicals. And that's probably where one of my biggest passion comes in is just seeing that not really being addressed is really an interesting one. You know, I think as a society, we can be shocked at certain things and then close our eyes and ears to others. And so that's one of the ones where we as a company and myself as an individual, I like to shed light and find hope because there's such an easy solution. Today on the show, we get to chat with Caroline Duell. Caroline is the founder and CEO of All Good, which is a company that uses organic and botanical products that serve everyday needs while seeking solutions for a better world. You are going to love not only All Good products if you haven't tried them before, but this really holistic conversation. I personally love All Good products because they really meet all of my standards. They're a certified B Corp. They are a part of the 1% for the planet movement, Leaping Bunny certified. They are climate neutral, which we talk a lot about. They are reef friendly and woman owned. This company is one you are going to love learning about and want to get behind. Be sure to check out all good products using the link in the show notes. So let's go ahead and dive right in. Welcome to the show, Caroline. We are so, so thrilled to have you here. Thank you. You as well, Caroline. Yay. I know. You have a great name. (laughs) Could you just briefly introduce yourself to our audience and tell us a little bit about you? Sure. My name is Caroline Duell. I'm the founder and CEO of All Good, based in Morro Bay, California. We've been in business for about 16 years. And we make organic and botanical personal care products and mineral sunscreens. I run the company with my husband, who's historically a farmer. We live up on a farm eight miles from our headquarters. We have a team of about 16 people and all over, but about half of them located here. Oh, that's so fun. That's awesome. So take us back to the very beginning. You started with a hand salve. Will you just kind of tell us the origin story of how you got started? I graduated college with a degree in holistic healing and studied wilderness medicine, emergency medicine, as well as started to get really into botanical medicine. So that was my background. And then uh, Ryan and I moved to California, a farm in Northern California, just North of San Francisco in Marin. Yeah. And I was hired by the farm owner to install an herb garden mm-hmm. where she really wanted to have a medicinal herb garden on her farm where my husband, where Ryan was partnering with the farm owner. And so I I decided to make a garden that was designed by modality. Mm. I had a headache section, a belly section, skin section, stress section. That's so awesome. And 
It was really super fun to watch the plants, how they interacted and how they sort of supported each other together in the soil. And the skin section really took off. And so just purely as a hobby, I made a salve out of the skin section. And the plants that thrive together in the land really synergistically worked powerfully together in a formula. And once again, just as a hobby, I made a little homespun label and called it all good goop because for so many reasons for all good, right? Right. Goop was just the consistency of it. Gave it away to friends and sold it at farmer's markets and at the time I was working as a climbing guide and gave it to my students and then as a massage therapist. So gave it to my clients and it really just took off and that was it. It was purely a labor of love. It was purely for people who needed it. And it ended up becoming a staple in those people that first kind of first users lives. And then it grew from there. So that was, uh, that was the very, very first part of it all. And then as we started to explore the idea of it turning into a business, it wasn't until eight years later oh, wow. that we actually officially formed the business. So that was the late nineties. And in 2006, it became very apparent that uh, <laughs> yeah. it was, ne- it was necessary to make it official. Yeah. Awesome. So it started with the, the first bomb and then you had a lip balm. Tell us kind of how you added products. I'm sure it's tough to remember, but if you can remember, you guys offer so much now. How did that yeah. kind of evolve? It was a very natural evolution, actually. So from the healing stuff, people in our community were very active and they would say, mm-hmm. I love this. It's so moisturizing and healing. I use it on my lips. Can you put it in something that I can have in my oh, jacket pocket? Yeah. So that started the lip balm line. And then after that, it was really just this sort of exploration of needs within mm-hmm. our closest friends and family members and addressing those needs, developed products that also worked a lot for other people. So yeah. the first one after that was our healing spray, Herbal Freeze. That's a muscle pain relief spray. That was for my husband who had had a neck injury mm-hmm. and it really helped soothe his shoulders. And then came sunscreen. So sunscreen was, you can imagine filling a, uh, a first aid kit for wilderness use yeah. was the original intention. And so it was, it made perfect sense to have something for cuts, something for muscles, and then something to protect you from the sun. Mm-hmm. That's where sunscreen came in. We were really in the early stages of that. So it was 2008 and nine, we launched it. And mineral sunscreen was just really getting, right. I, there were a few brands that had been doing it for a while, but that was a big step into a new zone. And then we just kind of moved about from there throughout the body. So we've got body lotions and deodorants and coconut oils and hand sanitizer as well. And dancing into beauty, we've got now a, a tinted line of SPF cheek right. and lip tints. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we just launched a facial sunscreen as well. Yay! And little little sneak preview here <gasps> is uh, n- next week, we're going to have uh, this out, which is a, an aloe gel after yay. sun. Yeah. So really what works well on the skin and for the body and gives us an opportunity to connect with nature through products is is how the product line really grew. Yeah, that's so amazing. I'm so excited for that aloe because... I, I resort to just like straight aloe, <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the mm-hmm, stuff that's mm-hmm. like, what color is it? Like bright blue or bright green mm-hmm. in the yeah. store. It's like, oh, it's yeah. freaky yeah. what's in those yeah. products. So your company honestly has nearly every single label that I will look for on a product. So you've got certified B Corp, 1% for the planet, Leaping Bunny, Climate Neutral, Refriendly and Women Owned. I think that's all of them. <laughs> so why is it so important to you to apply for and maintain all of these certifications? 
Well, the way it begins is just for, you know, for a company to understand what their values are and Mm -hmm. to, and to really connect in with one's own essence as the individuals who make up the company and then what that company stands for. And so the certifications then really become an outward communication tool, Mm -hmm. right? It, It is important for something to strive for if those standards are challenging or they aren't being met, but that's something that a company wants to kind of go for. In our case, it's more that those are all, those are all pillars of who we are and what Mm -hmm. we do And there. It's, it's woven into the DNA of our business. And so having those certifications for me, it makes me really happy that, that you connect with them and know them because that's, that's really the purpose of them is for consumers to know that we're not just operating in a vacuum and we're not greenwashing and we're not just Mm -hmm. marketing about certain things that we've actually gone through the rigor of being validated and verified by third parties. So, yeah. And and we can talk about any of the aspects of each of them, but that's sort of the general kind of scope of of how we like to use third-party partners Mm -hmm. as tools for growing the growing the industry and growing the movement in parallel. Yeah, that's so great. So I know most of them, but I'm I'm really curious about what it means to be carbon neutral. And mostly I want to know like tangibly as a company, what does that look like for you? Like what types mm-hmm. of things are you having to do in order to be carbon neutral? Yeah, fantastic question. And I think that is kind of on the precipice of, of where a lot of companies are wanting to go. Mm-hmm. And obviously with, with the impending crisis and climate, it's become more of, a, of an important piece. So the reason why we chose the partner Climate Neutral as our certifying partner in that is that we really appreciate their approach. And the approach is threefold. The first is to measure a carbon footprint. Mm. And within that carbon footprint, there are three scopes of carbon emissions that are measured, scope one, two, and three. And so we measure all three of them. One is the easiest. It's just within the office, within the Mm. walls of of any headquarters or office or someone's home. Scope two is anything that comes and goes from that office in terms of electricity, primarily. So energy being used that comes from somewhere else, scope two. And then scope three is basically everything else. So from sourcing to transportation to shipping to consumers and everything else in between, production as well. So the first piece that is by far the most challenging is measuring, measuring Mm -hmm. all of that. And we had to set up systems to even make sure that we had visibility into all of the pieces that make up that. Yeah. Yeah. Everything from, you know, knowing where our Mm co-manufacturers are getting their electricity to making sure that we understand how much weight and space a pallet takes up on a truck and where the origin of that truck is and where it's going. So all of those details, Oh my gosh! you know, as a company grows is really complicated, but yes. that's the first piece. That's the first step is measuring. So yeah, the measurement piece is the biggest. And then the second this is what I really appreciate about climate neutral. The second is a reduction plan. Mm-hmm. So anywhere along that path, we can identify places to have better effectiveness in what we do to reduce carbon emissions, decision choices. A lot of it comes into planning. The better we plan, the less redundant we are in um, miles traveled by trucks and things like that, or, you know, inventory shifting from one location to another. And then obviously, you know, for us, we're deeply embedded in where our, our raw materials and our products come from. So that's an important piece of it. 
So that's just like an enormous opportunity. Yeah. One of the first things that we did on a reduction side was we opted into a hundred percent renewable energy for our headquarters. Right. So we were able to get our scope two down to almost zero. Wow. So things like that. So the reduction plan. And then the third piece is the offsetting. And offsetting mm-hmm. is an entire podcast conversation <laughs> yes, on its own. Yes. And it's got lots of, you know, there's lots of, I don't want to say pluses and minuses, but there are a lot of factors to it mm-hmm. that are important to understand that it's not just the solution mm-hmm. um, to reducing carbon emissions, but it is in a consumer product, cap, uh, you know, consumer package, good company in a product company where physical items are being moved from one place to another. And there's a process that takes place that starts with agriculture and then moves into something that is what you have in your bathroom. Mm -hmm. Inevitably there are emissions involved. There's Mm -hmm. no way to avoid that. So that's where offsets come in. And after reduction has been optimized, then offsets offer the opportunity to sequester carbon somewhere and recognize and really make sure that the emissions that are being, that being put out are being sequestered. So that's where the offsets come in. And we've done a number of different offset offsetting partners that always have relevance to our products. Uh, um, and wind farm where it was an agricultural area in India, raw materials grow. And then another couple projects we did was a reforestation in Northern California where it had been devastated by fire. Oh, yeah. And then sinking, actually, in your neck of the woods in the eastern Colorado, sinking carbon through native grasslands. Right. In the in the prairies. So, it's yeah. So, so cool. some really incredible projects going on and ways to do it. And I also want to just say when it comes to carbon neutrality, it, it's really not the end game. It's an ongoing mm-hmm. process of learning and improving and growing and changing and adapting with technology and adapting with information as it comes out. So that's a that's kind of a, a lifelong project for our company sure. and something that we recognize is incredibly important yeah. as one of our pil- pillars of responsibility. Sure. And I'm so glad that that was the one I decided to focus on because that is insanely more thorough than like now that you say it, it's like, of course, it has to be that way. But I'm glad that you went through the nitty gritty because that's insane. And I'm so it's like so impressive that you're doing that. And the cool thing that really stood out to me was it's forcing companies who are attempting to get the certification of climate neutral. It's forcing them to really deep dive into where we getting the materials like you're just having to be more intentional even more intentional about where's this coming from how's it getting there and then also it allows it allows you to be even more transparent which is you know always the goal so i think that's so awesome absolutely so i know you're also on a journey to using less plastic so uh, what strategies that seems really hard to me honestly when that's the material that a lot of things comes in now in the personal care space. So what strategies are you using to make that a reality? Well, you know, so to me, I think is the most interesting thing about that is that as a, once again, as a consumer products company, our customers come first. Mm -hmm. Like ultimately our dream as a business is that we can get our customers closer to their aspirations. You know, we can really help them thrive in their world. And when it comes down to that, what the packaging is that we use, we can have our own ideas about what we think it should be and about reducing plastic, but ultimately consumers need to want that as well. Yeah. And so we've done a number of different initiatives. We have a bunch of products that come in glass. We have some that come in metal, stainless steel, 
we've done a paperboard lip balm so that yeah. we replaced our, our plastic lip balm tube with paperboard. But one of the realities of it is that the cost of those raw materials is largely more expensive. Right. Yeah. So that's, I, I just kind of out of the gate, say that that's the biggest challenge. Right. Because we could switch all of our packaging tomorrow. Our products would triple in cost oh and I don't gosh. know who would buy them. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it is almost probably second to carbon, the most complicated right? aspect it of, is. of what we deal with in terms of packaging. So if you were to just say like all the plastic alternatives, that's the approach we've taken. We offer them. We will continually offer them. We will introduce them more and more and more as they're accepted. We've had to discontinue some right. because people don't buy them. Yep. And so that will be the ongoing effort on the packaging side yes. relative to alternatives to plastic. And then when you take plastic, it's also its own world, mm -hmm. right? So there's virgin unrecyclable plastic from China that we don't use that, but that's, you know, that's a, that's one form of plastic. There are a number of different aspects of what gives plastic quality. We also, many of our products are FDA regulated. So we have to make sure that the barrier that touches mm -hmm. the product itself has been tested and that it's compatible with the ingredients inside. And so that it's going to last and be safe. Mm -hmm. We also look at outgassing and make sure mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the plastic that we use doesn't have toxic chemicals in it. And then when you look at within the world of some of those safer plastics, there, from an environmental perspective, there's the upstream impact and the mm -hmm. downstream impact. So the upstream impact is what is it's being made out of petroleum, mm -hmm. how it's being produced, what emissions are coming from that, how it's transported. And then the downstream impact is probably the biggest issue that everybody is aware of, mm -hmm. which is all of our beaches are being filled with plastic and the oceans are filled with plastic. So what we do is we take a look at both the upstream impacts and the downstream impacts. And then within that, we make choices that have all of those factors all weighed in. So the compatibility with the product, the ability to transport, the usability for the customer, and then the ability to handle the, the downstream waste as well. Our best choice so far has been to find domestically sourced post-consumer recycled plastic. Yeah. And one that also maintains its same level of recyclability. And that's hard. Yeah. And that's super hard. Right. That's, we've achieved that in some of our sunscreen tubes, which mm -hmm. we're really proud of that. But we're looking at, you know, we're always open and always navigating all of the different variables and assessing it and looking at it as we, as we move forward and, you know, just taking it as it comes and using new information and, and uh, creating the best outcome. Our dream would be to be completely plastic free and at the same time, it has to be something that consumers are willing to, to step up for willing as to well. pay for. Yeah. And that's the crazy part because or like excited, not even willing, but like excited, like <laughs> yeah. it needs to be, it needs to be accessible. Right. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. But it is funny when <laughs> I'm sure this happens to you, consumers are like plastic free, plastic free. And then you do it and they're like, Oh, <laughs> I don't want to yeah. pay $15 for sunscreen or whatever it is, you know, yeah. it's yeah. like we yeah, exactly. see the price tag. And, you know, I talk a lot yeah. about, unfortunately, I feel like that higher price really should be like when, when companies like you are doing all the things that really, to me, represents what the price should be. Like if we're really taking care of, right. taking care of like a, a B Corp, you know, your people, the planet, mm -hmm. you know, over mm -hmm. profit, then that really ends up being a reflection of the true cost 
of what it should be in order to sustain life on this planet. So I know, but it is tough, you know, it is tough to, especially when you're someone like me who really cares about this stuff. It's like everything is, Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything is so expensive, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And and for us, it it really brings us into the, a bigger conversation within the industry of how do we move the needle together? And I think that's also where B Corps come in and Mm -hmm. the ability to collaborate is super helpful. And then, you know, we collaborate with amazing companies and and amazing nonprofit partners that are doing plastic recapturing and reuse. And so I think there are a number of different angles that are always at play that are sometimes behind the scenes that people might not know about. So yeah, Yeah. it's it's always on the horizon and always in our minds and we're, we're working at it. Yeah, no, that's great. So let's talk sunscreen by far the product I've used from, uh, you guys the most is sunscreen. I love your sunscreen. I just bought another tube yesterday. So in 2018, Hawaii passed legislation to protect the reefs. I know that you were already ahead of that curve, but but how did that make you guys feel as as someone who was already creating a mineral-based safe sunscreen? Well, it's actually really fun to reflect on it because now we're, what, four years later. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe, yeah, right? It's crazy. It, it, it's an interesting, ongoing, potentially growing issue that still has solutions out there to be made. So in 2018, indeed, the state of Hawaii banned two active chemical sunscreen ingredients, octanoxate and oxybenzone. We were a part of that legislation. We worked with athletes and nonprofit partners, community activists other brands. We actually launched the Safe Sunscreen Council that year wow. to to uh, connect with other mineral sunscreen companies that we collaborate with so that it's known that we're all in it together. Yeah, We worked with research scientists, with universities, and really were an on-the-ground grassroots partner in that effort. And it was amazing. You know, it was really interesting just from the political side to see that it was chosen to focus on two active sunscreen ingredients because there are a dozen or more that are actually super damaging, but the legislation needed to have legs and be successful mm-hmm. and pass. So what you're seeing now, right? Currently there's a bill on the big island of Hawaii, just Hawaii the island, to continually to ban more ingredients. Oh, Maui did it also. Now the big island is looking at it. And so I think it's a stair-step process mm-hmm. that will continually move toward a better outcome and education along the way is really important. But in general, it's really empowering when you see people come together mm-hmm. and help support and create a legislation that is truly beneficial for all layers of the community, from the coral reef community in the water to the hotels and snorkeling companies that really rely on that for mm-hmm. their uh, marine, you know, for their tourism to the people. I mean, that's the thing that gets left out is that it's almost kind of funny. We use the coral as right. the, the sort of like sorry, the coral is getting damaged, but guess what? Coral are animals and they have processes in their body. The reason why there's toxicity is the same reasons why there's toxicity in the human body. So the human body Mm -hmm. is hugely affected by these chemicals. And that's probably where one of my biggest passion comes in is just seeing it not really being addressed is really an interesting one. I think as a society, we can be shocked at certain things and then close our eyes and Mm -hmm. ears to others. And so 
that's one of the ones where we as a company and myself as an individual, we like to shed light and find hope because there's such an easy solution. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I felt like that was an interesting time to be in this space that I'm in too, because you saw consumers kind of, you saw the shock of like, oh my gosh, this sunscreen I've been using for my entire life is bad for coral, right? So just like you're saying, and then I feel like consumers were able to make that leap of like, Mm -hmm. I wonder if this is bad for coral, if it's also bad for me, right? Because Mm -hmm. I do think we're so disassociated as a society to even what I put inside my body could impact how I feel and how I function. A lot of times, A lot of Americans don't make that connection, especially we don't make the connection of what I put on my body could negatively impact my body or be harmful for me. So I I was cool watching kind of like the collective light bulb go off specifically with sunscreen with that bill being passed. So yeah, I felt like it was a pretty landmark moment in just like the toxic free movement. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what would you say, in addition to the two ingredients that were banned, what would you say are some of the worst ingredients in sunscreen in general? And then, and also why, like, why are these ingredients bad? What, what is the harm that they cause? Okay. So if anybody wants to reference it after they can go to our website, allgoodproduct.com. And then we have a a drop down menu that shows a re-friendly page. So we explain all the science and have lots of links in there that people can understand. Essentially, any of the UV filters that are absorbing UV light and displacing it as heat within the body are the ones that have potentially harmful effects. Mm -hmm. And so you have octanoxate and oxybenzone. Those are the ones that Hawaii banned the sale of. Then you also have avabenzone, homosalate, octosalate, enzacamine, and the list goes on from there. So yeah. There are lots that have potential damage, but essentially the unifying mechanism is that they are UV filters that are absorbed into the skin, dispersed as heat. And then the thing about them also that's interesting is they primarily block UVB rays, which are the rays that cause immediate burning. Right. Most of them don't block UVA rays, which are the rays that cause long-term damage Mm -hmm. and aging on the skin. So what harmful effects they have are, there have been studies primarily on oxybenzone, but they're available on all of the ingredients that I mentioned. Mm -hmm. Everything from infertility in men, Mm -hmm. there's a fertility clinic in New York City where the single most prevalent chemical present in the testing of all of the couples was oxybenzone who were unable to, yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know guys, my face is just shock. And I mean, I shouldn't be shocked. Like I know this yeah. stuff, but so, it's still just, yeah. it's just so sad, honestly, Caroline, because yeah. there's just such a simple solution. Like that's why it's, yeah. Yeah, so to exactly. me, it just comes like, let's down. Just not. Let's just not do that. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> let's just, just like if you have babies if you want to have babies. Right. And <laughs> yeah. So it's just such a simple solution. And that's why to me, it just keeps coming down to I won't stop talking about this, right? Like we've got to keep educating people on the simple solutions. Yeah. So hormone disruption is hormone disruption. So yeah. yeah, And just to continue on the Mm -hmm. list, uh, they've been associated with birth defects, with being present in mother's milk as well. They're, They're persistent in mother's milk. And then along with the hormone disruption, DNA disruption and 
being carcinogenic as well. Right. Because DNA disruption is always going to be a precursor for being carcinogenic. Oh, yeah. man. Right. Yeah. And there's, so, you know, just those little things. Yeah. And, and the, uh, the amazing piece that, that to me is always the most shocking is that is the high level of toxicity. Mm-hmm. So when you go back to the idea of coral, there's a, there's a great visual representation of how quickly and how much it takes to affect coral. And that is that imagine one drop of oxybenzone in six Olympic sized swimming pools is enough to have an impact on a reef that size. Yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, it, and so then you think about how much, you know, we're putting on our bodies, right, 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 our right. bodies are more than 70% water right? and they're absorbing all of those chemicals and just passing them right through. So that's the interesting piece as well is, is that, you know, our, our bodies are just a filter essentially. Mm-hmm. So some of the toxins are being absorbed into all of the different systems in the body. And then anything that is expelled, it comes out through urine. And then that urine, the chemical stays persistent in the urine through the septic systems. And then once again is put out into water, whether oh it's my ocean gosh. or into freshwater systems. So yeah, they really just don't go away. Yeah, man, that's a whole nother level. Well, I mean, talking about all these effects, I feel like one of the pushbacks that I receive is like, but skin's a barrier, (laughs) you know, like skin doesn't let anything in. But the fact that it can be a hormone disruptor, DNA disruptor, especially present in mother's milk, I mean, just goes to show you this is not just staying on the top of your skin, people. This is getting into your body. And then, yeah, long-term effects of staying in the water, even after you pee it out. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, I do want to ask you, you know, I I feel like we're hearing now, and I mean, this should not be shocking, but like the sun is great for us. Like as a people group, we are very low in vitamin D in general. And vitamin D is so crucial for so many processes in the body. So what is your maybe personal rule of thumb for when to apply sunscreen? Like, do you like wait a while, get some vitamin D, then slather it on? Yeah. So vitamin D is really important. And I, I would encourage everybody to have a relationship with their understanding of vitamin D in their body mm-hmm. on a very personal level. I, I dove deep into it mm. and I actually learned that I genetically lack the gene to assimilate vitamin D from the sun. So no matter how much I go into the sun, I can't get vitamin D. So I actually supplement, I just take vitamin D as a supplement. Same. So I have to like, you know, cram it in. That also goes back to our agricultural systems where we could have more vitamins coming from our food in right, general. In general. Um, yeah. So that's a very big piece of it. It's, it's important for people to, to be able to intake vitamin D in many forms. And when it comes to the sun, it's a really good idea to be exposed to the sun. The problem is, is we are exposed, we're overexposed to the sun and we're also not equipped with those minerals that would also give us protection from, Mm -hmm. from, you know, from the inside. So, you know, we sit in these artificial lights in in inside buildings and then we just go blast ourselves in the sun. And so (laughs) the whole experience is a little bit out of balance. Yes. And so on an individual level, it is important for everyone to make sure that they know their relationship and their need for vitamin D. Right. But you are correct. We're super low. So here's a couple of things people can do take it or leave it. But one recommendation (laughs) is to actually cover the parts of your body that are mostly exposed to the sun. So the hands and the face generally, and lay outside with nothing else on for 10 minutes on either side. 
That's a great way to get vitamin D. Don't do it in the height of the day, you know, do it in the morning or the evening. You can still get vitamin D, but you won't get as much of the damaging rays. Mm. Great way to do it. And then as far as sunscreen goes, you know, there's a certain amount of protection you're getting from the sunscreen, but you're always going to have the ability to absorb vitamin D. My understanding is that vitamin D is even absorbed through the eyes. Right. So there's always a way to get vitamin D and not get the damaging effects. So mm-hmm. I would, I, you know, I personally wear sunscreen every day on my face, especially mm-hmm. from the outside. Yeah. And then if you're in an aquatic situation or you're actually doing sports, depending on the time of the day and how much mm-hmm. you're going to get exposed and all that kind of stuff are all variables and how much and when to apply. Sure. Um, but, but the whole idea that like we're wearing too much sunscreen, so we're not getting vitamin D is, I don't, I think that's a bit of a misconception. Hmm. Cool. No, I need to, I need to do more of a deep dive into vitamin D. I honestly just supplement at this point, (laughs) but I do feel like, I mean, for me, I will like for me and the kids, I will not since mineral sunscreens like immediately are effective, you know, like growing up using chemical sunscreens, it's like, put it on 30 minutes before. So it does its Mm -hmm. damaging thing, you know? Um, So because mineral sunscreens are immediately effective, you know, we'll be out in the sun at the pool, I don't know, 15, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, and then we'll stop, towel off, apply sunscreen, and then we kind of start the every hour situation. So it's like Uh you're getting some sun, but you're also, I mean, my biggest thing is just like burning is just, you know, out of the question. I, I got burned so many times on the lake as a child, just like beet red, you know? Um, And so I'm like trying to avoid that as much as possible with my kiddos. So we've talked about ingredients in chemical sunscreens, but haven't even really specifically talked chemical versus mineral. So can you give our audience like just a really brief overview of chemical versus mineral and why mineral is the way to go? Yeah. So we did talk about the the chemical and the mechanism of being Mm -hmm. UV absorbers, absorbing into the skin, dispersing Mm -hmm. its heat. And the mechanism for zinc oxide and titanium dioxide is that they're physical barriers. So there's a teeny little portion of it that absorbs into the skin and the surface layer, but the primary mechanism is that it's a blocker, UV blocker. So it sits on the surface of the skin, it's a mineral, both titanium and zinc oxide are inert minerals that act as a barrier. Mm -hmm. Um, So they give that opportunity to reflect back and that's how they work. It's protection by reflection. The most important thing when going into mineral sunscreens is to understand that they are minerals, so they can vary in particle size. Yes. And that there is a family of zinc oxide and titanium oxide active ingredients that are nanoparticle, mm-hmm. meaning that they've been pounded down essentially to smaller than 100 nanometers in size. And those are the, con- the concern there is that then they can be absorbed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In the same way. And there honestly hasn't been enough studies on mm. the impacts of that. But it's one of those things that's so easy to avoid. Right. So, so why not? Just don't. Yeah. Just, just avoid uh, nanoparticle active mineral ingredients. And mm-hmm. so when, when you look at a sunscreen tube on the back, the top is the active ingredient. Right. And it should say non-nano zinc oxide or right. non-nano titanium dioxide. Right. Yeah. And that's important. Yeah. And to be clear, yeah. mineral sunscreen are broad spectrum. So they're blocking UVA and UVA UV. and UVB. Yeah. And that's, that's probably the best reason to use zinc oxide as an ingredient. And that's why we, that's, it's our primary tool. Mm-hmm. 
not just because of its safety, but because of its effectiveness. Yeah, sure. So it's like, you, yeah, you, you have the both the safety and the effectiveness all in one. And it's absolutely the earth's best choice. Yeah, so good. Well, we just got a sneak peek of the aloe, but what else is next for all good? I mean, you started with the salve without this amazing, beautiful, wonderful company, I'm sure, even in your wildest dreams. But what's next from here? Well, from a product standpoint, we are just going to continue to help support the entire body for people. So we're going to be improving and relaunching our hand and body creams Mm -hmm. in a a new formula coming out soon. And then from there, we're going to continue to take care of the face and the skin and really some deeply, beautifully sourced oils and Mm. herbs that are rejuvenating, regenerating, replenishing on the skin. Oh, I love that. I switched to like deciding that oil was good for me in college and I've never gotten back. Like I just like slather oil on my face as often as I can. It's so good. It's just so good. Well, thank you for being here. We are going to end with two questions that I ask all of our guests. So first at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? In that moment, if, uh, if I get to be an old, old woman looking back, having joy in the present moment will Mm. show me that my life was a success. Mm. And I just mean that because to me, joy comes from knowing that connections were made, people's lives were uplifted, ecosystems were held in thriving living ways, and joy was something that was emanated. And to me, being joyful in that moment will show that a successful life has happened. Yeah, I love that so much. So this next question is a two-parter. What is something in your life you feel like you've been specifically intentional about recently? And what's something you'd like to be more intentional about moving forward? I'm intentional about my consideration of others. Mm. And so that's continual and and it's really fun. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it's so fun to connect. And I know you have children as well. Mm -hmm. We have two daughters and, and a nephew that lives with us. And to be able to consider them in each of our actions in our daily lives is really uh, such a, such an incredible gift. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would just say, uh, I I love being intentional about how I'm considerate of others. And then what I'd like to be more intentional about is, is slowing down. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's this great quote is just like, let's stop the glorification of busy. Yes. And so I want to take that one more step further and start the glorification of slowing down. Agreed in every way. Yeah. That's a lesson we've been learning. I would say like the past two years, we've started really diving into that and man, it really fills your cup back up to just, I just don't want to let go down. of it. Right. COVID showed us all the reasons why it's so beneficial. And then, you know, coming out of it, I think our, our collective amnesia can certainly (laughs) take a break. It doesn't need to be, doesn't need to lead us forward. Right. And especially the eagerness, the collective eagerness to just like get back to everything, you know, like we just like want to do all of it, you know? So yeah, keeping, keeping that at the forefront of our minds that like slow, slow is just good. It really is. Well, thank you so much for being here, Caroline. We can't wait to have you on again. Thank you as well, Caroline, for everything you're doing. 
Thank you so much for being on the show, Caroline. I hope you listeners learned just as much as I did about mineral sunscreens. There's just no excuse anymore. It is so easy to switch from harmful chemical sunscreens to broad spectrum UVA, UVB protection mineral sunscreens like the ones offered from All Good. As a thank you to Caroline for being on the show, please support All Good like Caroline supported the show today. You can check out All Good products using the link in the show notes and you will love every single thing that you try. So thank you so much for listening today and I will see you next week. 